find it difficult to listen to the radio at the same time every day? If you're like me, the answer is yes. That's why podcasting is so convenient. And if you have a smartphone or a computer and an internet connection, you have everything you need to get started. Just visit insightforliving.ca slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. At Insight for Living Canada, we have three podcasts available for you to stream or download when you want, where you want, at your convenience. There's our 30-minute daily Insight for Living, our five-minute life track, and our one-minute audio devotional, Insights. Whether you're at work, at home, driving in the car, or in another country, podcasts are a simple and easy way to stay connected with solid Bible teaching. Are you already a podcaster? Just search for Insight for Living Canada in iTunes, on Stitcher Radio for podcasts, or in Google Podcast. Listen when you want, how you want, at your convenience. Visit insightforliving.ca slash podcast today. That's insightforliving.ca. Today, from Chuck Swindoll. If you are playing with sin as it relates to the sins of the flesh, you're living on borrowed time as a child of God. There is nothing as stinging, there's nothing as damning to the life than sins of the flesh. There is nothing that gives the enemy greater ammunition to send those blasphemous statements toward the church of God than that kind of compromise. The Bible never flatters its heroes, and that's certainly true of the flawed giant we're looking at today. For several weeks on Insight for Living, we've embarked on an in-depth study on the life of David. And during the next half hour, Chuck Swindoll concludes a message we started on Monday and Tuesday's program. He's teaching from 2 Samuel chapter 11. In this passage, we find the tragic moment of compromise when King David succumbed to temptation and his failure ignited a sequence of painful consequences. Chuck titled his message, The Case of the Open Window Shade. Our greatest battle is not when we're working hard, it's when we have a lot of leisure. It's when we've got time on our hands and we're bored. And the spring of the year when we're yawning and stretching and getting the sleep out of our eyes and we can't sleep at night. And we make those fateful decisions that haunt us. It's the spring of the year and David's indulging himself beyond the place of wisdom. So he pushed the bedspread back, not able to sleep. And he thought, well, I need to take a walk. It looks like a nice night to be out in the air. So he walks on the roof, pushes aside the drapes, and he steps out. Then he hears in the distance some splashing and perhaps the humming on the lips of this very beautiful woman living just beyond the palace, just within sight of his own backyard. The verse reads, From the roof he saw a woman bathing. 
The woman was very beautiful in appearance. David stood on the roof of that palace as he had stood perhaps for weeks before. And in the night air with no one else around, he lost all cognizance of who he was or what would happen if he fell into that sin. And he forgot that he was the king of Israel. Verse 3, David sent and inquired about the woman. And notice the report. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? I don't believe David lingered long enough to even record that in his mind until later when that name Uriah would haunt him. When he sent messengers and took her, and when she came to him, he lay with her, and when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. But she comes to discover the inevitable. Verse 5, she conceived, sent, and told David, I am pregnant. When David got that news, he had a decision. He could take one of two courses. He could call in his counselors and openly admit, as a man of integrity would do, and God would have dealt with him one way. All the consequences wouldn't have been erased, but certainly there would have been a maintenance of integrity. Or, and he chose the second, he could have gone the route of deception and hypocrisy, which ultimately would lead to murder. Verse 6, David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. Now you got to understand Joab. Now there's not a naive cell in Joab's body. Joab is bright, and he's clever, and he's malicious, and he can be malignant. And so he sees the report, and he sends it. He sends Uriah back. Remember that now. Keep that in your mind. Joab sends Uriah, okay? The husband of Bathsheba comes home, verse 7. David asked concerning the welfare of Joab and the people and the state of the war. I want to ask you something. Did he care about the people or the state of the war or how Joab was doing? He couldn't care less about those guys, but he's faking it, see? When you're in cover-up, you fake it. And so he's asking his friend Uriah over a neat uh, evening together a steak and... Uh, you know, uh, lovely trimmings and the, and the enjoyable night and candlelight. And how are things going? You're right. Here's a little corporal sitting there thinking, everything's great, David. It's terrific. The battle's really going well. Uriah must have wondered, what's all this about? Verse 8. So David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and a present from the king was sent out after him. Isn't that cheap? Send him a present. Oh, did you get the flowers? Yeah. And we got the flowers. Verse 9, Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and didn't go down to his house. Put yourself in David's sandals. Wakes up the next morning, pushes his door open, can't get it open. Looks outside and there's Uriah down there. Where do you want Uriah? You wanted Uriah with his wife. But Uriah wasn't going to go with his wife. Because Uriah is a faithful soldier whose heart is with the men in the field. And Uriah's wondering, why is all this going on? What's it all about? In verse 10, David said, Uriah, did, uh, have, have you not come from a journey? Why didn't you go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters. My lord Joab, the servants of my lord are camping in an open field. 
Shall I then go out to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife by your life and the life of your soul? I will not do this thing. Here is faithful little corporal in a Israeli's finest who says, David, I can't break my integrity with God. Guess who felt a twinge of guilt? The king, the commander-in-chief, rebuked by the integrity of a nobody. A man who was, from his head to his feet, committed to the nation and to the God of the nation. Look at how David handled it. David said, well, you stay here today, and tomorrow I'll let you go. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next David called him, and, and he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. In the evening he, he went out to lie in his bed with his Lord's servants, but he didn't go down to his house. It was the last straw. And here's a, here's a panic-ridden king, mad with rage over this uh, falling plan, and he can't pull off the strategy he can steal a wife, but he can't manipulate a man because the, the Lord God of heaven is, is working. And that Uriah will not cooperate, and verse 14 turns the plan. Now put yourself back in the boots of Joab in the field. Here we are now. came about in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Let me ask you, did he trust Uriah? He sent his own death warrant in the hand of Uriah. Here's what it read. Place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. He wrote that note. He folded it up, stuck it in an envelope, and said, Uriah, take this to Joab. Did he trust Uriah? All the way. And Uriah came, and Joab opened it up in the field. And guess who put two and two together? You say, well, I think you're reading into that, Chuck. I think you're adding to it. Let's, let's see. Let's read on. Joab was uh, keeping watch on the city, verse 16. He put Uriah at the place where he knew there would be valiant men, and the men of the city went out and fought against Joab, and some of the people among David's servants fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Joab sent and reported to David all the events of the war. Now get this. He charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling all the events of the war to the king, and if it happens, the king's wrath rises, and he says to you, Why did you go so near the city to fight? Do you not know that they who would shoot from the wall? Then he quotes from some historic event. Who struck down Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Did not a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. There's a wily old soldier out there in the field that gets a note, send Uriah. Uriah goes. Joab knows Uriah, knows his wife, knows the family. And then when Uriah comes back, it says, kill Uriah. And he knows David isn't a murderer. And so when he sends the report back, he says, tell him, mission accomplished. I did his deed. And guess who has the tools for blackmail? Joab, right where he wants the king. And one day he'll rise up and make the king rue the day he made that decision. So he killed Uriah. 
Are you keeping count of the sins? Lust, adultery, uh, hypocrisy, murder, and the whole scene of cover-up in the kingdom that Israel has never known under David. How could a man stoop to such a level? That, that's not hard to understand if you're honest with your own soul. Let me pause right here before I go any further and say, tonight is the night to come to terms with your life. If you are playing with sin as it relates to the sins of the flesh, you're living on borrowed time as a child of God. There is nothing as stinging, there's nothing as damning to the life than sins of the flesh. There is nothing that gives the enemy greater ammunition to send those blasphemous statements toward the church of God than that kind of compromise. You can also be part and parcel of it just indirectly without taking a stand against it. One of the young ladies with whom we shared our home in years past who bore her child out of wedlock and had it adopted was a young lady on a campus who was such a fine young woman and she made a bad decision on a given night in which she yielded to sexual temptation and in only one act that evening she conceived. The only time she had ever known a man outside of marriage, she's now married. And that one night grew as a lasting reminder in her mind of the impact of that kind of yielding. Abortion is, is uh, acceptable in our day, and it adds to the freedom that some of you have to live as you please, but not before God. Long before there is the birth or the abortion, there is an act and there are thoughts that lead up to that act that, like that, like that neglected seawall, begin to break down the life till finally it's crumbled into the ocean. And then you become easy prey and cheap. And something is lost ultimately down the line in your marriage. The greatest gift you can give to your husband, young women, is your purity. That's your greatest gift. The greatest gift you can give to your bride, young men, is purity. To this day, it stands as the, the uh, finest of all wedding gifts, and it is rare. The messenger came to David's side and declared the news, and David listened with bated breath for one statement, and he hears it in verse 21. Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. That's the statement that Joab gave, and you'll notice in verse 24, that is the statement that is given. Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And adding the ultimate act of hypocrisy, David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Don't let this thing displease you, 
For the sword devours one as well as another. Make your battle against the city stronger and overthrow it. And encourage good old Joab. Nonsense. Did you read the account in chapter 11, verse 17, verses 24 and 25? It wasn't just Uriah that fell in battle. It was other men as well. Many paid the price for that act of, of illicit lust way back. And here they are falling on the battlefield, and David says, that's all right, man. Tell him to go on. Rather than falling before God, declaring himself guilty of this crime, he moves right on. In fact, after a little bit of mourning, verse 26, David sent and brought her into his house, and she became his wife, and she bore him a son. Now I want to ask you something. It doesn't sound simple, but it's not. Why in the world did he murder Uriah? What did he gain by that? Now think about that. If Uriah had lived and come home from battle and found his wife pregnant, who would have ever connected it to David? It's doubtful she would have ever said a word. It's doubtful it would have leaked from the kingdom. And furthermore, when Uriah is killed, David snaps her up and marries her, almost before there's grass growing over the grave. And most people can count to nine. I mean, who in the world is he hiding it from? You know what happened? When you act in panic, you don't think logically. You cover up and cover up and smear over and cloud over and deny and... And you find yourself in the midst of a pack of lies in this nest that you, you can never recover from. Until finally you face someone honest enough like Nathan to say, Thou art the man. That's next week. <laughs> David, what he did was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the chapter closes with a period. Hey, don't you forget that. I don't, have a, I don't have a neat little package with a ribbon on top, boxed and stamped and sealed, ready to give you in a conclusion. I want to leave the package unopened. And in the raw, open sewage of David's life, I want you to see, like the Puritan said, all the moisture of heaven had lapsed into drought. Everything was dry and barren in his soul. The sweet singer of Israel was now in a minor key this passionate, good-looking, red-headed king, this, this uh, exemplary leader is now crippled in his health. He now lives in the shadows of his own palace. And he shrivels and he turns into something he was never designed to be because he compromised with wrong. And he covered it over with murder. My phone rang some time ago, and on the other end of the line was a young woman and she was crying, almost to where she couldn't talk. And she said, I, I go to a, a local school, and she named it. She said, I, I've been going with a young man, and we're not married, and I'm, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. I can have an abortion. I could marry him, but I don't know that I love him. I don't know what to tell my parents, if anything. Don't know what to tell his parents. Don't know what to do about the school. Because that particular school would have 
had to deal with her if they had known the whole truth. Then she made a statement I'll never forget. She said, Pastor Swindoll, why don't you talk on this more? She said, I haven't missed a Sunday in probably two and a half years. She said, I'm not in any way implicating you or blaming you. She said, I just want to say that maybe if something had been said, it would have stopped me. So I've addressed it tonight. And I want you to never forget what you've heard, ever. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have all the power you need to say no. God has given us that simple little English monosyllabic word that flows so easily, no. And it works every time. Every time. I use it constantly. So must you. May we bow together. Let's be still for just a moment. This, this message strikes some a lot harder than others. Some of you live in the relentless rage of lust. You curse it, but it's there. You don't want it, but it constantly winks at you like a beast with, with venom. It bites into you and paralyzes your spiritual walk. Tonight you've just seen a display of where you've come from or maybe where you are. May God give you the grace to apply what you have heard and run and make it a habit to run in His power, to flee. Very few people this day and age will be as honest as I've been with you tonight. Most would laugh, give you a way out, tell you it's only natural. And I tell you, it is only carnal. Outside of marriage, it has no place in your life. If you've never met Jesus personally, He's the source of the power that you need. I point you to Him. Right there where you're sitting. Just receive him now, right now. Father, it's been a very eventful evening for some, much more than for others. Written across a number of faces in this place are the kind of responses that say, I understand what you're saying. That's my battle. And I pray there might be a transfer of one word in that statement so that it now says, that's our battle the Lord's and mine. In the independence of our own lives and in the privacy of our own bedroom, it's easy for us to sell ourselves a bill of goods. It's happened since Adam's fall, and it will always continue until we're raptured. And I pray for some young men and some young women here, some older men and women who are living the lie and they've been brought up short tonight with this life, and I pray that you might turn their lives around and give them the ability to frame that word in their minds and on their lips as they face the temptations beginning as they leave this place. No. In the power of Christ, my answer is no. 
Lord, we lay ourselves at your disposal and we love you and we adore you and we need you. We count on you to do that, which we've asked tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to the Bible teaching of pastor and author Chuck Swindoll. He titled today's study in 2 Samuel 11, The Case of the Open Window Shade. We know that today's topic can be a trigger for many folks. Some are victims of a spouse's betrayal. Others are holding on to secrets that need to be addressed. Whatever the case, we want you to know that God hears your cry, and He's capable to meet your every need. As you're prepared to take your next steps, let me point you to a classic devotional from Chuck that's been an inspiration to so many readers. It's called Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life. It contains 144 brief devotional chapters, making it the perfect choice over the summer months. In fact, these highly practical chapters are a great choice for your teens and young adults as well. To purchase Chuck's devotional book called Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life, go to insightforliving.ca or call 1-800-663-7639. Some have told us that Chuck's voice sounds a little different in this teaching series on David. That's because it was recorded several decades ago when he was much younger. It was during a period in Chuck's pastoral ministry when the church was filled to overflowing. And to accommodate the growing audience, Chuck spoke five times every Sunday, three services in the morning and two on Sunday night. The David series was delivered during the evening service. I mention this interesting part of our history because it demonstrates the deep archive of sermons that Insight for Living has to share with you. We are stewarding thousands of Chuck's messages, some going back to the 1970s. And we're able to share his teaching on this daily radio program because of the generous support of our listening family. To get in touch today, address your letter to Insight for Living Canada, Post Office Box Number 8, Station A, Abbotsford, B.C., V2T6Z4. Or you can go online to insightforliving.ca. Travelers who want to take a tour to Israel have lots of choices, but few measure up to the thoughtful journey prepared by Insight for Living Ministries. With a proper mix of historical information and biblical context, we provide ample opportunities to pause and let the wonder in. Our goal is to create special moments when you deepen your love for the Bible and draw closer to your Lord. Experience an unforgettable 12-day tour to Israel with Chuck Swindoll and Insight for Living Ministries, March 5th through the 16th, 2023. To help you grasp the significance of each site, you'll be accompanied by hand-picked Israeli guides, and we choose the best, along with seminary-trained pastors and professors to enhance your spiritual journey. No organization I know of offers this level of exceptional, in-depth instruction and personal care for Holy Land travelers. To learn more, go to inspirationcruises.com. Just imagine walking along sacred sites and watching the Bible come to life. 
Make your reservation by going to inspirationcruises.com. That's inspirationcruises.com. Inside for Living Ministries Tour to Israel is paid for and made possible by only those who choose to attend. I'm Bill Meyer. Join us when Chuck Swindoll tells the dramatic story about confronting David with his sin. Be sure to join us on Thursday to hear Insight for Living. The preceding message, The Case of the Open Window Shade, was copyrighted in 1978, and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2022 by Charles R. Swindoll, Incorporated. All rights are reserved worldwide. Duplication of copyrighted material for commercial use is strictly prohibited.